Hello, and welcome to Cosmic Cassette, an exploration into the sonic unknown. I'll be inviting the artists, DJs, producers, and labels who carry the mantle for sound across the musical sphere. I'll be asking my guests to pick five tracks that were particularly formative in their musical journey and which they would like to send up to space on a cassette tape to teach a newly discovered alien life force about life on Earth. My name is Matt Redley, the host of the podcast. I'm a music obsessive and a lover of all things otherworldly, and I'm looking forward to exploring new worlds in sound with you. We'll journey through galaxies and past stars together to send my guests transmissions to our extraterrestrial friends. For rights reasons, this podcast includes a jingle instead of the music. But to hear this episode with the music included, head to cosmiccassette.com to hear this and all other episodes or search Cosmic Cassette on SoundCloud. My guest is Scarlett O'Malley, a DJ of house and soul music, radio presenter, record label founder and podcast host, born and raised in Perryvale, West London. She grew up in a house full of music, with 50s rock and roll being played constantly around the house, with parents who were deeply into their music and brought up in a tight-knit community. She discovered DJing at university after a friend made a passing comment about how she should share her extensive soul collection and she hasn't stopped since. Her obsession for the soul scene led her to found the soul imprint, The Soul Exchange, born out of a club night of the same name, whilst also nurturing another musical love for more club-focused sounds under her Club Cowgirl project, of which she has a Rinse FM show under the same name. Having produced podcasts which explore the stories behind the art for the Museum of Youth Culture and for the BBC. Her passion for community and music discovery run deep, so I can't wait to hear the tracks that she'll be sending up to space. I hope you enjoy. Scarlett, welcome to Cosmic Cassette. Oh, a nice introduction. Very nice introduction. <laughs> now I feel like I'm not going to live up to my introduction. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, that's that's a lot of things I just named there. Listen, I've been around for a while. Like, if you're not doing stuff when you've been around for this long, like, what have you got to show for yourself, really, you know? Well, exactly. It just feels like you've crammed a huge amount in after you left university. So what I understood, someone made a comment about how you had a huge soul collection because I know you've been building up your soul collection over a lot of time and then they mentioned that you should get into it was that how it happened yeah it was my friend Fran she was like you should do radio like we were all just like mash up in a kitchen I think we'd gone to see like Disclosure we went to see them at some venue in Southampton in first year she was like you should do radio and then I think the next year I forced myself to do it I was quite shy I wasn't around people that had ever been around before I felt like I was like pretty introverted and so I kind of kept myself to myself and never really put myself out there for risk of being made fun of but then I realized people at uni were really posh and posh people don't do that that's probably like a school thing where you went to a rough school and everyone rinses you for anything that you try to do so maybe I should have realized that but yes yeah, so then I got into radio after that and that's where the story kind of began to be honest yeah on the, the school stuff did you feel like it was quite tough at school because that must have been something which you took into uni after that 
or was it okay? No, no, not at all. Like I loved school. I didn't know any different. I was always like a teacher's pet. I was always a nerd. I was like big into learning. But it was just a very different experience. I mean, everyone has a different school experience, but my school yeah. was just quite rough. A lot of fights. And I feel like that brings you into the real world. Like I'm not scared of anyone or anything. And then I went to another college where it was similar situations. Just a lot of kids from estates, which is nothing to be scared of. It's just real life. It's just real working class life, to be yeah. honest. And obviously universities aren't built for that, especially I went to Southampton, so that's definitely not built for that. But, I, you know, it's just two very different worlds. It was a bit of a culture shock when I went to uni and I was like, well, like, I don't want to don't want to cuss anyone. Like you can't help where you were born and what you were born into. Yeah. But, yeah. Just very different, I guess. And And how did you find the music side of things at uni? Because it feels like you fell into a really nice rhythm with music and found quite a few like-minded people there. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Uni was good. Southampton's pretty good music scene. I mean, Junk Club was like my favourite club of all time. I don't know if it still exists, but Junk Club was like my my place. I used to go there Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Like they were like, "You're so embarrassing. You come here so often." So that's when I like first properly fell in love with like dance music, club music, going out, club nights, and obviously it's where I met Soul Forty Five, and they were the ones who taught me how to DJ. So I used to go to Soul nights there. So I think because there was also Southampton Solent, and a lot of the Solent kids were musicians. A lot of the Solent kids were doing music production or live music. There, there had to be some kind of music culture. Mm, mm. Yeah, definitely. And on Soul 45, that sounds like that was quite a big moment in your life, really. That's set you on the course of what you're doing now. Yeah, definitely. Without them too, I wouldn't have been DJ now for sure. They just kind of forced me to. They're like, start DJing. I was like, Why? They were like, well, you got the records. I was like, so? But they were great. They got me into DJing and they used to bring me around to any like pub gig or anything they were doing. They were like, just bring some records and play. They loved it. They got an hour off. They got to go and chat with people at the bar and I would just spin some tunes. So yeah, I loved it. Yeah, that sounds like the moment at which you dug into your love of soul. But maybe just going back a couple of steps and going back to your family upbringing in your house, it sounds like the rock and roll and everything else there which must have been the first step in the path towards getting into the soul stuff and and then onwards on that journey so yeah how was that growing up in having all of that music around you all of the time yeah it was cool I didn't know any different like my dad was like quite an out and out like bit odd with it to be honest like we can't listen to anything but rockabilly if it's not from the 50s I don't want to hear it that kind of vibe like it was probably quite intrusive to be honest not listening to anything but do what and rockabilly and rock and roll so it's all I'd ever heard growing up pretty much bar some 80s stuff bar some soul stuff and my dad's a musician my mum's super into music and then I started to get into like Scar and Soul and that kind of stuff. Probably when I was like 13, 14. I've been a little pop punk kid from when I was like 9, 10. And then, you know, I think it's like a natural progression. I was into like Scar punk. You look at the roots of Scar punk, you find Scar. Like that old Trojan Scar. And I think this was around the time when like Shane Meadows, This Is England come out. And, you know, there was all that kind of like skin culture. I just loved the music. And I already dressed like that as well. So people was like, you look like you're from This Is England. I'd be like, yeah like tart and everything, DM boots, everything. So it kind of went with the look. And I mean, I still love, I still love Scar today, but it's very much within these scenes. A lot of it is kind of like you're either in or out. And I've always been pretty particular about not being 
neither here nor there. Like, mm. I'm not ever going to just be a rockabilly. I'm not ever just going to be a soul girl. I'm not ever just going to be this. So I've always liked to dip a toe, but never go fully into the pond. Whereas a lot of people that collect like old Jamaican scar will be like on it. And again, like buying soul records, it's really super expensive. So you kind of choose your path and you go down it. But I've always been really madly into history. It's always been my favorite subject. And I think combined with the fact that a lot of the music was built out of struggle and eras and subcultures the two kind of go hand in hand so i think that's why i've always been i've always had old music partly upbringing then partly interest yeah definitely bro i think it might be a good time to hear your first track what's the first track that you want to send off in space so i'm gonna give everyone a little slice of good charlotte with lifestyles of the rich and the famous because this is the first track where i rem- i specifically remember have such a strong memory if I was at my friend Jess's house, we were in the front room. We used to always watch like The Box and Kerrang and whatever, all the music channels. And I remember Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous, the video coming on, me watching it, literally being transfixed and being like, oh my God, I finally found something that that is me. I think it was nine at the time. And then I became so obsessed with Good Charlotte. It was disgusting. Like anything, DVDs, CDs, dolls, any merch, my whole walls were covered in Good Charlotte posters. Like, I was Good Charlotte girl. I still was up until I was about 19, like ride or die. And luckily they did like a little comeback tour, like 2018, 2019. So I got to see them and it was an emotional experience and I cried. <laughs> so that was my first entrance into this is your identity. This is not me being a kid anymore. This is like, I've fully gotten into something. This is who I am. And I am the biggest good Charlotte Sam. <laughs> Anyone who has been through a angsty teenage phase has probably found themselves to Good Charlotte. I know I certainly did as well. The boys, the, boys. the best boys. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was interested to hear what you said about being really obsessed with history because I felt like that is just such a major theme of the sort of projects that you've gravitated towards wanting to get under the skin of the stories around art. Obviously, your podcast on Jackie Wilson was mm. just seeped in the history, wasn't it? So you did a podcast on Jackie Wilson, a legendary artist and performer. And I know that you're a massive fan of him anyway, but then you met a Jackie Wilson impersonator, didn't you? Yeah, he was. he's always been on the rockabilly scene. So I knew about Bobby Brooks Wilson already because of just being on the scene and then started to learn about his story and then his story kind of became integral to Jackie's story and that's that's where the hook came so yeah I'm I'm just really grateful I was able to make something and add to Jackie's legacy. Really special and did you go out to America to chat to him? Yeah I went to New York which was amazing. I had the best time ever. I got to meet Eddie Holman, who's one of my idols. I nearly cried when I think about it. I'm still like so glad I got to meet him. We got to hang out with Aaron Fraser from Duran Jones and the Indications and he was so cool and he took me to like record shops. I just feel like I had a very good like soul seeped weekend. Yeah, was that the first or second time you've been to the US? Because I know you've done a couple of big trips to go out and do record shopping as well. So that was probably my third or fourth time. But I did do, go out and do a nice little trip in 2019. I went out for a month and I did like Boston, New York, Nashville, Memphis, New Orleans, Miami. And all the places I thought I was going to love, I didn't like. And all the places that I loved, I'd never thought I'd love. Like I loved Miami. No one told me I'd love Miami. Uh, but I thought all the architecture was amazing. Like all the Art Deco buildings and all the colour I thought was amazing. 
and Nashville was great. Like went to so many little kind of back end dive bars mm. and that went into East Nashville. But yeah, I did a lot of digging while I was out there because every time I go to a country, I always try to do a big dig. And then I went and did another trip last year. I went to New York and Detroit and Detroit was amazing for record shops because 45s are like dust to them. They've got too many. They want to get rid of them. Like I'd, I'd like stacked up this pile and he's like, you can have that for free. That's a free, that's free. He's like, listen, we've got so many here. We just need to get rid of them. Wow. Whereas like, it's not the case. It's not like that in the UK. So yeah, it was a bit, mm. it's quite eye-opening and I really enjoyed myself when I was there. Mm, yeah. But, and just coming back to Jackie Wilson, maybe that's a good time to hear your second track that you're going to be sending up to space. Mm. Well, going out to Detroit, I managed to go to his grave, which was insanely important to me because it felt like it was coming full circle. It'd been about a month and a half since the documentary had come out. And the reason why I chose this particular song, Reap Petite by Jackie Wilson, it's not a favourite of mine in any way, shape or form, but the story behind it, I think is so important to where we are now musically. And so without Jackie Wilson, Motown as it is today would not exist. Like Barry Gordy was a writer for Jackie Wilson. Jackie Wilson was always a singer in like doo-wop groups, harmony groups. Like he came through in the 50s rather than in the 60s. So he did a lot of swing and, and rock and roll and that kind of stuff. And Barry Gordy wrote Reap Petite. And with the money he made from Reap Petite, he went and started Motown with that check. So if you go to Motown in Detroit, you'll see a picture of Barry Gordy his sister, Jackie Wilson. Jackie was so intrinsic to not only Detroit and Detroit sound, but Barry Gordy is quoted as saying like, Jackie is the best who can who can go higher, who can get better. Like his voice is without doubt the best. So I always think like, imagine if Reed Petit was never written. It's like the butterfly effect, isn't it? And I love that story that without that check, Motown would exist because Motown is the most influential label that has ever been created in my opinion. So that's why there had to be a Jackie tune and it had to be this one. Yeah, as you say, the influence of Motown is unfathomable, isn't it? Well, I mean, obviously in the end, like Motown is a pop label. If you look at it, soul is what they created and soul music is what was coming out in the 60s. But the only things that made it big, like Stevie, like Diana, are all because it was commercial music, i.e. pop, like anything that is popular. And so I think it's interesting because obviously the reason why Northern Soul exists is because a lot of it came from demos and things that were deemed unpopular. I'm the biggest Stevie Wonder fan. I love Stevie Wonder with my whole entire heart. But Diana Ross and the Supremes, it's not that I don't appreciate their talent and appreciate what they do. I think they're amazing. But their songs are very poppy. But I think what they've managed to do has been amazing. And without the influence of Motown, I don't believe so many artists would exist. Imagine a world without Stevie Wonder. I couldn't imagine it, really. I really, I was listening to As the other day, and I just mm. find it one of the most amazing tracks ever. I, I've lost count of how many times I've heard it. I managed to get to see him once, but I would love to see him again. Mm. Oh, painful. I always feel pain that I didn't get to see Amy Winehouse live. So sad. She was playing somewhere, and I was like, I should definitely go, and didn't end up going because I was a loser. And I forever, forever am going to remember that I am a loser. I know you've snuck into a couple of quite amazing gigs in your time as well. I, I saw a, a little interview where you snuck <laughs> into I... the 100 Club, um, see the specials. I want to see the specials. Yeah, that was amazing. God, who have I been shouting about that to? I probably shouldn't. I'll get the security in trouble. <laughs> I just remember those tickets sold out in seconds. And I was like, I need to see the specials. I've seen them a couple of times, but the 100 Club is like an intimate venue. And I was like, I'm just going to go up there and see what I can do. And I was just like, 
do you mind? And it ends up being amazing. It was like one of the, definitely one of the best nights of my life. Oh, even think about it now. Rest in peace, Terry Hall. But yeah, it was insane. So what's the third track that you want to be sending out to space? I would like it to be the specials and I'm going to go rat race because it was mine and my boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend from like when I was a teenager. It was always our song, a multiracial group from working class backgrounds, just trying to figure out life. Their messages were important. They were important. The tunes are amazing. And I think their legacy will carry on forever. So yeah, it's got to be rat race. That sounds like one of the most special gigs in such an intimate space. Really like warms my heart when I think about that gig. Oh, so sad. I wish more things like that would happen, like life-changing gigs. That was a life changer for me, for sure. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Just on the life-changing gigs and the club scene, that's a big part of your life now, playing out as a DJ. And you've obviously got this big house side to you and you're producing a lot more now as well. How does it feel going to those gigs and and looking for a certain type of experience? Yeah, I think I've already found my favourite clubs and I always fall in love with the club and then it always leaves me. Like Junk Club in Southampton shut down and that's where I first fell in love with Deep House. The cause when it was in Tottenham, I still do love the cause, but when it was in Tottenham, I fell in love with that place. I'd be there every single weekend if I could. And that was just a place where I got to see so many different acts. I remember like my first Adonis there and it kind of, that again blew my mind. I was just like, wow, Adonis is the best club night on this whole entire earth. So I'm a big fan of Adonis. The London scene is solid. We just need to make sure that people are going out for the right reasons. Like I think going out to like enjoy music, hear DJs, like, have a good time with your pals. I feel like sometimes a lot of people go out just to get dressed up and mash up. Listen, if that's your prerogative, that's also fine, but I don't want to be in those raves. Yeah, for sure. I sometimes think like, where are all the dancers at? I want to see people proper getting into it and proper like going for it dancing wise. Yeah. I love nothing more than seeing someone completely like lose themselves on the dance floor because I know I've been that dickhead before. I listened to your interview with um, DJ Paulette and, yeah. and she was talking about how she just like fully lost it on the dance floor and then became a dancer as a result of just properly letting loose. But I don't see that in London, people just not really caring what they look like. It's different. I think it's because we're all so overstimulated. You've got to remember in Paulette's day, you'd go out and hear a tune for the first time. Like you're not sitting at home, like putting on Spotify, getting ready, or putting on radio where radio was at underground and playing dance music. You're not sitting there like with a whole stack of records because it wasn't as done back then so when you went to the club you would lose it because you'd be like oh my god this song I went out last Tuesday and I heard Alicia Keys you don't know my name started I lost it on the dance floor because I never hear that out but this is the thing with like Paul like in that era I would love to have been around in an era where you were first hearing these tunes in the dance floor like it wasn't just as accessible so going out was like the only way you could get pleasure now we have so much pleasure being indoors yeah. it then detracts from when we go out I think Definitely. And I think the social media and just having cameras on the dance floor is a massive part of that as well, because people are conscious about how they look. And I, I get it because you don't want to be that person that like goes viral on TikTok for like looking like a mess on a dance floor. Yeah. And it can happen. But that's why I think like not having cameras out in raves is also a good idea you know like a lot of people have gone with the movement of stickers over the cameras like why not yeah. just do it i noticed that when i went to see these sacred souls amazing 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 gig sold out in seconds i think because people have picked up on their songs from tiktok 
But the only thing that bothered me as soon as I came out was just a sea of cameras. And I was like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this before. Mm. Obviously, the newer generation, I was just like, not for me. I'm all for taking a couple videos, but don't stand there the whole time with your phone. Yeah, definitely. I sound like a proper old, grumpy old lady, don't I? No, no, no. I, I, think, I think it's a really big issue with musicians in general because they want to share who they are. They want to connect with people. They want to ultimately give something to their fans who in previous generations could only find out about them through magazines but now there is a power in being able to connect with your fans directly isn't there yeah so i can see the benefit of that but then on the flip side there's a sort of social contract where fans want to take pictures of you want to take videos of you because you've given them that in by connecting Mm. to them and you've put your hand out so they kind of want to connect back and sometimes you don't want that sometimes you want to like disengage with that world so it's tricky yeah it's a tricky one there's just a balancing act to it like just don't spend the whole night of your phone out yeah so boring like we already do that when we're at home we're all like stuck to our screens yeah who knows yeah yeah, yeah. bro should we hear your fourth track that you want to send up with space i'm the biggest george michael fan and i was toying between this or george michael freak when he's like i'll be your sexual freak of the week and I was like 10 years old and listened to that song and obsessed but I went with Wham Everything She Wants because to me that encapsulates the most perfect pop song ever if we're going to talk about good pop music Wham is good pop music Mm -hmm. and Everything She Wants never gets old never gets old and we have to do something for my boy George when I was like six or seven years old I asked for like the best of the 80s CD And my dad was like, what kind of weirdo of your age wants the best of the 80s? And I just loved 80s music when I was a kid. Loved it, loved it, loved it. So I think that's where a love for George Michael spawns, like, massively. And then Wham. I love so many Wham songs. But everything she wants, I just think, if I'm sending it up in space, they need to hear that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think aliens would feel when they heard Wham for the first time? I feel like they'd be grooving. They'd be grooving. Wham was just so... Have you seen the Wham documentary on Netflix? No, is it good? Really good, really good. Oh, I think it's done really nicely. And I like the fact that they wrote their own songs. Like so many pop artists these days fit a cookie cutter idea of what pop is. So it's like a look and a certain thing and a certain voice. Then you have writing camps for them and this and that. And it just seems so impersonal. Whereas like George was just a Greek Cypriot boy and his mate Andrew from like Northwest's. They were originally in a ska band and then they were like, oh, it's not really working for us. And they just started making pop songs. And then yeah. there's a few other members of Wham, aren't there? Am I missing? No, it? just the two of them. Oh, okay. Well, there's Pepsi and Shirley, who are the ah. backing singers. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it was it was always just those two. And then Shirley ended up marrying Martin Kemp. So like, you know, Martin Kemp from Spanel Ballet. They ended up being together. Mm. I'm big on my celebrity goss as well. That interest in celebs, if you always had that throughout your life. I think if you like history, you like celebs. History is just gossip from the years, gossip from the eras. Do you get what I'm saying? When people are like, oh, I don't like history, I don't get it. It's like history is exactly why everything is the way it is today. So how you can't be interested in how we got here and the roots of everything. Mm. So odd. I actually went to uni thinking I was going to be a historian. And I might even still get into it, to be honest, because I need to constantly nurture my brain with learning something new. And so I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how I can merge music and I should probably do a music podcast, to be honest, that music history podcast. But it's just time and money. Yeah. 
I'll figure it out. I don't want to talk too much because someone will steal my idea. So, someone with time and money, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> will steal my idea, and then I'll be done over. And sponsorship. So I won't talk about it too much. Yeah, yeah. Got to manifest the sponsorship somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. What are you learning about history right now? Are you into anything right now? Well, I've been reading two books actually, history-based books. One is about North Korea, because last year I was like, I don't actually know anything about North Korea. So I'm reading a book that's based around Kim Jong Un and then his background of his dad and his granddad, hmm. uh, which is interesting. And then I'm reading a book called The Border, which is about the Northern Ireland border and the South, because my family are from the South. I've been really always interested in the Northern Ireland troubles. The fact we're not taught about Northern Ireland in Britain is a travesty. The fact that we're not taught about what's happened in Northern Ireland when it's literally our neighbours and we're like, oh, we love the Irish. And then we're not taught about all the troubles in the Civil War is like insane to me. So I'm reading two books about that at the moment. They're pretty like heavy though. So I kind of flick in and out. But yeah, I just find it so interesting. There's so much about the world we don't know which is quite peak, really. I mean, the Tudors are all good and well, but we learn about it so often that I think they really need to start bringing in a little bit more depth to why the modern world is the way it is. I was very fortunate that when I was at college and doing a a history A-level, I learned about the Palestine-Israeli conflict. And then I did a lot about American foreign policy and the US's, shall we put it, oil colonization of the, the Middle East. I learned a lot about that at uni. So I was very lucky that, I've been in a situation where I've been very informed about what's going on before everything has kind of cropped up and come to the surface recently. But so many people aren't aware. And it's just like, how are people not aware about what's going on in the world? It's so Mm -hmm. mad. So yeah, I've been very like grateful for my knowledge, upset that it's not more well versed in education. Mm -hmm. It sounds like we need people like you to try and share some of this stuff. But the thing is, I'm not the deepest person. I'm not the smartest person. I'm not the most well-read person. There is people out there that know way more than me. I'm just grateful that I know what I know to have a oh. critical understanding. Yeah, for history, it definitely requires you to know the facts, but passion is part of it as well. Yeah, massively, massively. But maybe massively. you can channel it through podcasting and get in a sideways way. I know I need to do something using my brain again not that I don't love DJing every single weekend of my life which is what I want to do for the rest of my life but I definitely want to use my brain during the week so I'm like how can I do this mm-hmm. I don't know I'll figure it out yeah bro well, I think it's a good time to come on to your fifth track that you want to be sending up to space I'm going to send up even though I cussed her earlier Diana Ross and the Supremes with The Temptations I'm going to make you love me. So I used to have this thing. I would get woken up to a song in my head. For a while, it was Paul Johnson's A Little Sutton Sutton. It was that for a while. But throughout the last 10 years, I would say a third of being woken up in my head to a song has been I'm Going to Make You Love Me by Diana Ross and the Supremes and The Temptations. I also became a massive Temptations fan when I was in New York in 2019 and I went to go check out a show on Broadway and the only ticket I could find for like one person because it's so rare that you're allowed to buy a ticket just for one person was to go and see the Temptations musical and again crying like the story of the Temptations is something that needs to be known no one take this from me though because I will do something about it but the individual stories of each of the people that have been through the Temptations is so insanely heartbreaking heart-wrenching and you just think why do people not know about all the heartache so 
yeah, it's partly my love of the Temptations, partly the the earworming waking up to it. It's also just like a beautiful song. So yeah, we'll make that the fifth and final song. Awesome. And that was I'm gonna make you love me sorry I didn't hear so that you're good. gonna need to repeat that no I can't I can't stay out of tune <laughs> I'm always like one day I'll get into singing and blah blah I can't that's the next one after the podcast after the history I, maybe uh, someone was like why don't you add some of your own lyrics to your songs when I was recording the narration for the Jackie Wilson show that I made my exec producer was trying to get me to sing along some, to some tracks. I had a full-on panic attack and I ran out of the studio. And I was like, <gasps> can't breathe. I was like, don't force me to sing because it clearly triggers something inside of me that like fears for my life. So yeah, you won't be seeing that anytime soon from me. And if I have, I've clearly undergone some kind of hypnosis or therapy. That's quite interesting that you'd be really freaked out by singing, but DJing is completely natural, normal thing and being on stage. Because I will cuss an out of tune singer. Trust me, I know how judgmental I can be. So like, I'm not going to do that to myself when I know that I'll probably sing out of tune. It just honestly brings the fear of life to me. I don't know why I would love to be confident with it. Very confident in some ways, very unconfident in other ways. So I think that's just one of my things that I'm very unconfident with. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah that's interesting okay i'm not gonna make you sing i'd be like bye i'll just end the i'll literally just go and leave i've got my, i've got my i've got my finger on the button so don't you worry yeah, yeah, yeah. it's close <laughs> it's close yeah that was diana ross and the supremes and the temptations i'm gonna make you love me the thing that i found really inspirational about visiting my town and the thing that I love most, they said that it was 24 hours. So if you had a song on your head at two in the morning on a Tuesday, you could drive to Motown, it'd be open, you could record it. Like it was like a community hub. And I just feel like being in this generation, being so on the internet, having things at our fingertips, people being so busy, the lack of community really stresses me out. And the lack of that kind of like, just show up. Like I've always had a bit of an open door policy at my house or I'm always one of those people that's like the more the merrier kind of vibe. But I just love this idea of like having this hub where everyone comes to create together. Right. You couldn't afford it nowadays though. London, not a chance. 24 hours with the lights on, not a chance. No way. Just that through the roof. How no, yeah. that's not going to happen. Wicked. Well, Scarlett, I think we can leave it there. That sounds good to me. I was going to send one of my tunes into space, but I thought, listen, don't be so conceited. Let the people listen to the tunes of the time. But if yeah. people want to check out my tunes, they can. Maybe we could like put your handle on the tape and then they can check it out from there. They'll be able to find it. Surely they've got some They'll be able to find it. banging 3G up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Wicked. Well, Scarlett. I've loved chatting to you and just hearing about your love for soul across the board and rock and roll. And it's just so exciting hearing all of the different projects that you've been working on. Thank you so much. God, yeah, it helps. I'm literally just sat in my room, like slugging away every day. So thank you so much. (laughs) Not at all. And just finally, on your five tracks that you're going to be sending up, how would you think the aliens will receive them? I think they're going to start a revolution. They'll start dancing, they'll start a revolution, then they'll go to bed to Diana Ross. Nice. They've kind of got everything yeah. in there. Rocking to yeah, Get got... Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll start a revolution with that. What was my second song? Jackie Wilson, then they'll start grooving. Then the specials will come back and they'll realise that the revolution was for a reason. Then they've like, oh, we've been revolting all day. Like, we'll go and listen to some pop and have a dance. And then they'll go to sleep to Diana Ross. Perfect. Thanks so much, Carla. Speak to you then. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. 
Humans, I hope you enjoyed that alien transmission. If you liked this podcast, please rate and review wherever you listened, as it really helps us reach more Earthlings. If you'd like to hear more, visit cosmiccassette.com or go to SoundCloud, where you'll find all of the episodes. If you'd like to hear more from The Mothership, go to the website and sign up for the Cosmic Transmissions newsletter, which will give you a fortnightly email with the podcast, an incredible new music recommendation, and a club night recommendation. I hope to see you again.